welcome to the sermon podcast feed of Liberty Church Collingswood, where we want to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus in Collingswood and surrounding boroughs, or wherever God has placed you. Find us at libertycollingswood.org. Part of our mission is preaching sermons, so here you go. Keep in mind that these messages are designed to bring the timeless message of Jesus to bear in specific contexts to specific people. The whole eternal word, changing worlds thing. Would you hear good news here? Bon appétit! This is from 2 Corinthians 2, 14-17. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in a triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Let us pray. Father, we come before you and we stand before you, Father, thanking you for your word, thanking you for speaking to us. We ask that as your word is proclaimed now, that it would go forth on soft hearts and fertile soil that we may be changed, that we may be made more into the likeness of your Son, Jesus Christ. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen. Please be seated. This, this week I was talking with my neighbor. Um, he had some car trouble and we were talking about pandemic oil changes. Not something you ever, ever think about. But because we're not driving anywhere... How many of us are actually getting our oil changed? Do you get it changed every six months or do you wait for the 6,000 miles? If you're not driving anywhere, the 6,000 miles will never come. But it led me to a conversation or a friend that I had at a previous job. And he had a car. It was one of those 1990 Nissan Altimas. It was white. You know the kind with like the droopy butt on the back that just kind of hangs down? That, he had one of those and he had 300,000 miles on it. He used to drive from northeast Philly all the way down to Hamilton, New Jersey. And I asked him one time, he's like, do you ever get your car changed, like maintenance? He's like, I've never changed the oil on my car. It's pretty amazing, 300,000 miles. Never would have thought it worked, still the original oil from the factory in it. But also within that car, you would sit in it and we would take it out to lunch every day at work. And he would smoke in it. He would smoke every day on the way to work, all, every day on the way home. And he would put the cigarette butts right in the center ashtray. And they would just sit there. And he never cleaned it out. And it just stunk. And in the heat of the summer, it just, it just reeked. And it reeked and it reeked. And you would sit in the car, and it would be all like white dusty from the ashes. And you'd get out, and you'd smell your clothes, and you couldn't get rid of it. It was in your hair. It was everywhere. And so I remember that story as I was talking to my neighbor, but I was also remembering my conversations with him. I've shared the gospel with him a number of times and have never seen any fruit. And there's a point where I was just really frustrated. I was like, God, are you working? Am I just wasting my time? What am I doing here? I, in many ways, I feel like God has called me to be a missionary to my work where many others can't be. 
In some sense, as a friend of mine has said, God pays me, or my company pays me to be a missionary to my, my coworkers. But I was feeling frustrated. I was feeling like there was no fruit. Well, in our text today, Paul is taking a turn in 2 Corinthians. He, Paul was writing a letter um, to the people of Corinth, and he was taking a turn from his introduction and speaking to them to defending his faith. The people in Corinth were giving him a lot of trouble. The church there was divided, and there was a lot of struggle over doctrine, over how to live, and how, to, how just to be in Christ. And he was feeling the anxiety of it, and he was feeling the frustration of it. And so he defends his ministry. He starts by saying, thanks be to God. And he's thankful to God for what he can do and how he can serve. He's thankful for how he can go out. But then he starts with an identity. He says, we are the aroma of Christ to God. And he uses that we. He's speaking very specifically of himself and Titus, uh, his friend of the faith who was going with him but also are the people of Corinth and even us here today. And so we, here at Liberty Collingswood, I kind of already talked about Paul, but we are doing a sermon series on Paul Perry, uh, going through Paul, different letters that Paul has uh, written. I don't have a fancy joke to go with it, but that's what it is. I'll save those for Jim. Uh, yes. <laughs> he's, he's the big stink, right? <laughs> Yeah, but, but just like my coworker, Paul was, he was anxious, he was frustrated, he wanted people to see and know the living Savior, Jesus Christ. And he made sacrifices to visit them, he made sacrifices to, to meet with them, and he even wrote them a number of letters. Second Corinthians, we don't know if it's the second, third, or even fourth letter he wrote. Um, some of them may have been lost, we just don't know. But the church was divided, and Paul was anxious for their spiritual health. Some of the opposing messages from others outside had worked their way in and threatened his reader's growth. The context for our passage today is a section of the letter where Paul turns and starts to address his ministry. Today we'll speak in three parts. In a good, good fashion, we'll use three S's. The scent of the people of God, the source of our aroma, and the sufficiency of his work. The sense of the people of God, the source of our aroma, and the sufficiency of this work. So who are we? It's the question that beckons Paul that he decides to address. Like my friend's car, Paul's about to make a big stink. He's about to let something out. And he speaks to who we are by using the metaphor of an aroma. We are the aroma of Christ to God. Paul is looking back at the Levitical sacrifices that the Old Testament Jews used to practice. And he's saying, we are the aroma of Christ to God. Sacrifices from the Old Testament saying that as the um, sacrifice was burned, the pleasing aroma would rise to God and he would be appeased. Leviticus 1.9 says, and the priest shall burn all of it on the altar as a burnt offering, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. As the offering would burn on the altar, the smoke would rise up to heaven and appease God himself. This fragrance is not directed to God alone. 
but also to, it's diffused everywhere. Paul defines the aroma of the individuals being saved. His words are not mine as being brought from life to life or even life to further life. Those who are being saved are brought to more life because they share amongst themselves the fragrance of the knowledge of God. The fragrance of the knowledge of God was used earlier in the text before verse 15. And it is a phrase from, that says, the knowledge of God is a resounding truth of Christianity, which is the call of the gospel. This fragrance is what brings the people of God together. When Christians live out the gospel amongst themselves, they are brought from life to life. This happens by a willingness to be vulnerable with each other, a willingness to confess sins together, as we've done this morning, and a willingness to forgive one another. In, in seminary, I, I had a friend that I would eat breakfast with every Tuesday morning. He was raising money and preparing to take his family to West Africa to a small town called Tatooine, which you may know from the Star Wars series, it's where part of it was filmed. And we would talk about missionary team dynamics because I had spent some time on Bosnia on the field and some of the team dynamics were, were difficult for me and he was working through some of that on the team that he was gonna be leading in West Africa. But he said to me something that was pretty remarkable. He said, Jesus says they will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. And he says, true Christian love is not putting out your holiness, but it's by being willing to ask for forgiveness, by confessing your sin to one another, and being open and honest and vulnerable to one another. And when we do so, when we ask somebody for forgiveness, we say, I have wronged you. Take this power to forgive me, and forgive me if you choose. We release that power from ourselves and we put it in somebody else's hands. And that is a scary thing to do. Uh, but Christian community benefits greatly when people do forgive each other. It benefits greatly when people are vulnerable with each other and they're open. Community grows and people are thankful for it. This past Wednesday at the Wednesday night prayer group, and this is a shameless plug, if you haven't been, I would go. Um, I was really benefited from going. It was a really a great time to turn my heart towards God again and again. Uh, but somebody prayed a prayer of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving for the community that we had. A community through the, the pandemic. And it is encouraging to hear, and it has also reminded me that a true Christian community brings, brings further life. The shared aroma of the knowledge of Christ with each other is what separates Christian community from all the other forms of community. It's how we differentiate ourselves, that we are willing to be vulnerable and seek forgiveness, not only from God, but from each other. The Apostle Paul speaks of those who are perishing, like those nasty cigarettes that had sat for weeks in my coworker's car, they reek of the stench of death. When those who are perishing are confronted with the love of a Christian community, the aroma of Christ, they are forced to deny the truth of the gospel and therefore move from death to death. Romans 1.18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and, unright and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God is shown 
has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and things that have been made so they are without excuse. I was looking through the, the commentaries and John Calvin really like lays into this, they are without excuse. The Christian community, the Christian aroma of God that goes forth leaves those without excuse who are perishing. And they, in a sense, push down the knowledge of God within them and try to keep, them, try to keep it from servicing. When the aroma of Christ within you is left is felt by them, they are forced to take action. Their denying the truth leads to more death only because they are hurting themselves by refusing to believe what is absolutely true. The aroma of Christ confronts, commands, and evokes a response in every person that catches a whiff of it. Some Sunday mornings, um, if you're on setup team and Jay has already left, you'll come in in the morning and Holy Trinity has done their processional up the aisle and they had burned incense. And if all the windows are closed like they are now and they had burned incense in here, you couldn't enter the building without smelling the incense. It confronts you. It puts it in your nostrils. There's no getting around it. Well, in the same way, this aroma of Christ that we live to God, we also goes out to others and it confronts them. This response won't always be so kind. And we are living in an age when our, our current culture is more at odds with Christianity. Uh, Tim Keller, he's a pastor in New York, writes, today's culture believes that the thing that we need salvation from is the idea of salvation. Our culture is looking to get away from the truths of Christianity. But please know this, that no matter where the gospel is shared, it is never in vain. The, the one rejected is not ourselves even though I had felt that way. But God, it is his message, and we are just the carriers of that message. And no matter the outcome of our sharing, no matter what happens to us, or even if anybody ever listens to God's message, please know this, that Christ himself is worthy to be, be proclaimed there. He deserves to be proclaimed If you have come, come here today and you're not a person of faith, we welcome you. And we also recognize that some of these words, perishing from death to death, con confrontation, may be very hard to hear. You know, hearing the word stench of death is something that nobody wants to hear. And it may sound quite harsh and hard to grapple with. Even to Christians to think that living out the gospel may be an instrument that helps propel those who are perishing to further death is hard to sit with. You may also be saying in your heart, I am free. I am not bound by these Christian limitations. And Christians can go, keep going around spreading their perfume of lies. I want nothing to deal with it. If this is the case, I urge you not only to explore Christianity, but also to take a moment to observe what is really true. Are Christians the source of their own aroma? It, they are not. Are you the source of your own aroma? That's for you to, to think about. The good news that I have for you today is that even though Christians are the aroma of Christ, they are not the source. There is another who freely makes a way to change the grid of death 
to that which brings life. The cigarettes that had sat and smoldered for weeks in that ashtray of a car were obviously the source of his and my aroma as we got out after lunch. So what is the source of the aroma of Christ? The source of the aroma of Christ simply is Christ's own sacrificial death and resurrection. I previously mentioned the Levitical sacrifices where the priests in the Old Testament would sacrifice something to God and turn it over to God and burn it and it, the smoke would raise up to heaven and God would be pleased. These sacrifices echo the meaning of the word, a person giving or sacrificing, voluntarily losing something in order to please another. In Christ, he is the sacrifice. He voluntarily gave himself up in order to please God's judgment. For the, and this is for the weight of our wrongdoings, not his. Nothing is owed from us in this transaction. It is all his work and not ours. Hebrews 10 mentions that Christ is the sacrifice offered once for all, and no more sacrifices are required. It is now through this eternal sacrifice that Christians are a pleasing aroma to God. In the same way that Christ is the sacrifice, he is also the priest that makes the sacrifice. As strange as that may sound, he's the only one worthy to make that sacrifice. Hebrews 10 also says, and every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting, for, from, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And further on he says, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. The sacrificial act is what is at the heart of the Christian message. Through love, confession, and forgiveness, Christ has first loved us. In a words of pardon we read this morning from Romans 5, that it's Christ who, read, who loved us first. We have first been forgiven only at a cost to the very life of Jesus Christ. We now, as the aroma of Christ, spread that knowledge as his sacrifice everywhere. Having completed the sacrifice through the death and resurrection, Christ now marches in a triumphal procession and leads all those who believe in him to walk with him in his victory. This, this three verses, four verses in, in 2 Corinthians that Paul is using here, he speaks of many, many metaphors. The first one he talks about, we are led in triumphal procession. And he's looking back to the time in, when in Rome, a general would come back a victor and would march through the city and they would stop by the temple of Jupiter and they would burn incense there as a pleasing aroma. And whether you were conquered or the conqueror, you got to march. Some were marching to their own death and some were marching to a better life. This message about the freeing sacrificial death of the holy and righteous son of God encourages Christians to turn from the previous life and, and get in step with Christ and march with him to his victory, not ours. 
I'm sure you've all smelled the delightful uh, mix-up air freshener. You know those little Christmas tree air fresheners that everybody hangs from their car window? You could put a million of those things in my friend's car and it would never cover up the smell. It's not pretty. Is there a fragrance or a spray sufficient enough to cover that or mask that odor emanating from my coworker's car? No way. Is there anyone sufficient to diffuse the aroma of Christ on their own? Before we hold on too tightly to our aroma identity in Christ, let us remember Paul's words. Who is sufficient for these things? We laid out our identity as the aroma of Christ, and we talked about the source of that aroma. Now in closing, let's seek to answer Paul, the Apostle Paul's question, which also explains his frustration with the people at Corinth. I started a in February of 2020, I started a new role at my work, and I'm working more and more with the sales department. And I used to be an analyst where I could work on my own, but now I have to, a very public ministry. But I'm learning how my company sells. I'm learning, we sell insurance. And if you have a younger population, they want to buy accident insurance because they have a more active lifestyle. They're going to be going out, and they're going to be you know, going snowboarding or cliff diving or whatever young people do nowadays. I'm an old person, so. If you have a, a middle-aged population, they're looking for more disability insurance, something to cover their salary if they have to go out on disability for their growing families. And as a pre-retirement age, they're looking for more of a life insurance, more of something to get them through as they're looking towards the end. The st strategy sounds great when selling insurance, but is not the same for being the aroma of Christ. Paul clearly states here that we are not to be peddlers of God's word. We're to change his message. We don't market that message as if there is a new audience greeting us at every turn. The message of the gospel is the same for all people, but yet speaks into every cultural context. The basic truth of having someone outside of myself save me where I cannot save, save myself, uh, never changes. The source of the aroma cannot be changed or adapted without losing its potency. It's like turning off the, the burner on your potpourri or blowing out the flame on your candle. However, we are commanded to be the aroma of Christ with all sincerity as ones who are commissioned by God. Paul wrestled with his readers, but never changed his message to suit their, their opinions of him. He pushed back hard on them, but he never had a sincere love for them. Or, but he always had a sincere love for them. He knew that the, changing the message would only hurt them more, even if it brought in popularity or even relief from his distress. Paul was hurting. He was anxious for the people, but he kept the message true. He kept the message the same. He was commissioned by God, and he spoke Christ for God's glory, not his own. Almost every morning, my wife and I take a walk down the street to the park. And every Thursday morning is trash morning. And for some reason, every Thursday morning, when we walk down the street, you can smell the rotting trash even after the trash men have come. That old, nasty oil sits in the gutters, and it just reeks and reeks, and there's no getting away from it. Well, the beauty that is the park, it's green grass, it's lush trees, it's singing birds, 
is, is overcome by the repulsive scent of stagnant water. In the same way, as Christians, we must seek to keep the message of Christ, the source of our aroma, true. We must not change. We must not sacrifice our we must not sacrifice that message in its truth. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Hey, could that have been the best sermon ever? Eh, the odds are strongly not in its favor. Still, thanks for listening, and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also check out our version of a preaching after party, the post-Sunday blues, a preaching post-mortem, on the same podcast feed, where you can go backstage with the sermon. Live, speak, and serve at you later.